I count it quite a privilege once again to stand before you to speak on one of the best known, best loved texts of the whole Bible, Psalm 23. In this great text, God causes the writer, David, to use a tool that is quite effective in communication. Namely, it uses a metaphor. The metaphor of a shepherd and his sheep to communicate very important truths about our relationship with him. Specifically, God wants us in Psalm 23 to see his beautiful character as shepherd and also the wonderful benefits that we as his sheep have. Now one of the problems that we find whenever we try to study a text that is very familiar is the fact that often when a text is familiar, we have a lot of sentimental value to it. So we many times will turn our Bible and look at Psalm 23 solely from the perspective of how it makes us feel. Not that there's a problem with feeling a certain way in response to God's word. There, God has created us not just as rational beings, but also as emotional beings. So it is fitting that there would be an emotional response on our part when we read and hear God's word. However, if all we do, if what we do primarily when we come face to face with a text like Psalm 23 is ask ourselves, well, how does this make me feel? We're missing the whole point. Another problem that we have is not just we look at it from a sentimental value, but oftentimes we look at it very superficially, where there is one particular truth that means a lot to us, and we just stay there instead of spending our time and looking at, at the text in its entirety and asking the Spirit of God to help us see all of the truths that are in it. It is my hope and prayer that God, by his grace, will help us. Will help us to look at this text and see from it the things that God wants us to see. See, Psalm 23 is God's word. It is not our invention. And when God speaks, he speaks to his people and he wants us to listen. When you have something important you want to say to someone... Are you satisfied with the person only understanding in part what you want to say? Are you? I'm not. And if the person is distracted, I may say, could you just please pause one moment? What I'm saying is really important. I don't want you to just understand it at a superficial level. I want you to hear me well. This is the approach that we are to have every time we come the word of God. Every time we come to the word of God, even when we approach those texts that we think we know quite well, those texts that we even memorize and that we can recite, those texts that we see perhaps on verse walls in our house, we must come before God with an attitude of openness and humility and say, 
Spirit of God, help me to see the beautiful truths that you have in your word for me. So that's a prayer that I have for all of us this morning. What I'd like to do is to read the psalm to you. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it, or you may simply listen. But listen to God's word. Listen to this wonderful word, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. What I want to do this morning is to look at the psalm under two broad titles, two broad headings. The first one is the glorious affirmation of God's shepherding care. And this is found in verse 1. The glorious affirmation of God's shepherding care. The second heading is the gracious demonstration of God's shepherding care. The gracious demonstration of God's shepherding care. And that we will see from verses 2 through 6. Now I will say this. Uh, this morning we will not look at verses 2 through 6. It's frustrating for me, I have to be honest. I'll trust God in his sovereignty. Explain it this way. It's hard to stop. Well, I hope you will be diligent if God allows you to be back this evening. I just don't want to stop, but unless you want to stay until um, one or two, we will have to stop. So what we will do, we'll begin looking how God's care is exercised. We'll look at three ways this morning, and this evening we'll have three other ways. So that's what we will do. But before we continue, I want to ask God's Holy Spirit to guide us this morning as we embark on this little adventure together. So let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And as we get ready to look at it again, we pray that your Holy Spirit would help us. That your Holy Spirit would help us see the truth that you want us to see. That your Holy Spirit would open our ears. That we would hear the truth that you want us to hear, and that you would also incline and move our hearts so that we would not be indifferent to what we see and hear, but that we would be transformed by your truth. Oh, Father, 
We need you to do this. We need you to do this, Father, for our good and also for your glory. We are relying on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let us begin then by looking at this wonderful affirmation that we find in verse 1. And it is simply this. David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David begins with identifying the one who is his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And why is this important? Well, if you know anything about sheep, you know that sheep cannot take care of themselves. So the well-being of a sheep is absolutely connected to the character and skills of the shepherd. Let me say that again. It's not just important, it's not important to just have a shepherd. You need to have the right shepherd. The shepherd needs to be good. The shepherd needs to be competent. The shepherd needs to have the skills that his sheep need for their good. So David begins by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. And if I were to say, David, who is this Lord? Who is your shepherd? I believe David would say, well, you want to know? And we have to imagine this conversation. David is, yeah, for you want to hear. Let me tell you. Who is your shepherd? Who is this Lord, David? Oh, yes, he is the Lord who's made the heavens and the earth. It is the Lord whose glory is declared in the heavens. That's what David would say. David would also say, this Lord who is my shepherd is the Lord who delivered us from bondage. The Lord who redeemed us by his mighty hand, by his outstretched arm. The creator, the redeemer. But you know what else he would say? You want to know who this Lord is? Is Yahweh. The covenant God. The God who not only created, who redeemed, but he says, now that I've redeemed you, you belong to me. We are in covenant together. The idea of covenant is one of the most powerful ideas in the whole Bible. And I want you to get this. If you're not looking at Psalm 23 from the context of a covenant, you're missing it. It is God, the creator, God, the redeemer, but it is Yahweh, the covenant keeper. He's the one that David says, he is my shepherd. You notice the language. He does not just say the Lord is that guide there who does things in general, but rather he says the Lord is my shepherd. This is covenantal language. Have you noticed how many times in the Bible, in the Old Testament, God says, I will be what? 
their God, and they shall be what? My people. This is covenant language. I've saved you, now you belong to me. I am your God. You are mine, and nobody else. And you get to enjoy the benefit of having me as your God. I am your God, you are my people. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. That's the first part of this affirmation that is wonderful. But then there's something that comes with that. He says, since the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We have to see them together. The second must follow. Since the Lord is my shepherd, what else can I ask for? Sometimes we read the word, I shall not want to believe. Well, maybe I won't have desire. Certainly it does not mean that. Anyone who's familiar with scripture cannot mean that. I have desires for things. Desires for things I don't even have. So we need to see it in that of the more current, more modern word that is lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. But again, if you're thinking seriously, you say, well, Thomas... I do lack. Do you lack sometimes? Do you think David ever lacked certain things? Yes, he did. Is there a contradiction? Certainly not. So what is it that David is saying when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack? I believe what he's saying is this. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he's perfect and he's good and he's wise, I will not lack anything that this wise and good and loving and powerful shepherd intends more for me to have for my ultimate good. Do you see that? That's what he's saying. I will not lack anything that my shepherd determines that I need to get what he wants me to get. He is leading me. Another way we can also see this, which makes sense, is that I shall not lack means I have God as mine. What else do I need? And it is my prayer that God would help us get there, my brothers and sisters, that we would know something of the glory, of greatness of this wonderful God, that we will be able to say, I have God. What else do I need? What else? See, this speaks of what? Deep contentment. Deep satisfaction in the shepherd. And I believe that's, what, that's why Paul in Philippians said what? I've learned to be content in every situation. When he's full, when he's empty. That's the same idea. It's Paul saying, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack. If God allows me to suffer a lack of material possessions, in the ultimate analysis, I am not lacking anything. Because I have him. 
And he is going to use my situation, which from a human perspective means, oh yeah, the absence of things that I need. Because to provide, to help me be all that he wants me to be, to achieve my greatest good. This is a weighty affirmation. It is not one that we can easily say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. But this is a truth that we must deal with, brothers and sisters. How do you see yourself as a child of God? As one who belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Great Shepherd? Do you see yourself as missing out on life? Perhaps you don't have what your neighbors have, and you say, oh, poor me, I can't believe this. Oh, has God helped you to say that my lot has fallen in pleasant places? Because I have God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Glorious affirmation indeed. Now, how does, how does this good shepherd show his great care? In the life of David. How did he so care for David that David would say, I shall not lack? Well, that's what verses 2 through 6 is about. So now I want to look at the gracious demonstration of God's care. How God graciously shows his care in David's life and certainly in our lives. And the first thing that I want to say is this. That God demonstrates, God demonstrates his gracious care, his shepherding care in our lives by providing for us. Verse 2, look at what it says. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It's important to note the one who does the providing. It is he. He makes us lie down. He makes us. He leads us beside still waters, which makes sense. Shepherds, again, as we said, do not take care of themselves. Sheep, rather, God does. Sheep need shepherds. Philip Keller, in his great book on Psalm 23, says that it is a very difficult task to get sheep to lie down. Something I knew. It is very difficult to get sheep to lie down. And he says for sheep to lie down, there are four requirements that must be met. First, they need to feel free from all fear. They need to be free also from friction of others of their kind. Okay? Third, they need to be free from various pests, parasites, things that are annoying them. And lastly, they need to be free from hunger. So if a shepherd now is going to take care of that sheep, help that sheep lie, the shepherd has a lot of things that he has to do. If there are predators, he needs to take care of that. 
If there are parasites, he needs to take care of that. So the shepherd must be very diligent in providing for the sheep. And that's what our God does. Our God is diligent in doing whatever is necessary so that he would provide for us. So that we would be able to enjoy the green pastures that he wants us to enjoy. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep need water. They cannot function without water. They need grass and they need water. And they do not get it on their own. It is a shepherd's job to do that. And note that he says, he leads me. But there are times where the sheep have to go through a very dangerous area. They have to go through mountainous paths to get to that water that they desperately need. And if they go on their own, what will happen? They'll fall. Some will die. So the shepherd has to lead them. But the leading is for the providing. So the point is not that God is leading, the shepherd is leading, but rather he's leading to provide for them grass, water, what they need. That's what the shepherd does for the sheep. And our God cares for us. He provides for us. He provides everything, everything that we need. And he provides perfectly. He provides individually. He knows my needs and he knows your needs. And God never comes or sits to and says, well, I can't solve this one. Oh, this need is too big for me. He is a strong shepherd. And what does it mean for us as sheep when we have need? Do we go and say, oh, I can't believe it. I can't solve this. Is that what sheep do? Be silly. They look to the shepherd. They trust the shepherd. So this psalm speaks of our utter dependence on God, our good shepherd, to provide for us, to provide all for us, to meet all of our needs. So God demonstrates his care for us by providing for us. Yeah, he does it individually, but he also does it corporately. What does that mean for us as a church? Do we have needs as a church? Are there things that we need to see done? Suddenly, can I identify one? Well, not identify, remind you of one that we have greatly right now. We thank God for the way he had provided our brother Justin, where he served with us, and now God has moved him to another pasture. So we have a need for an under-shepherd. Now what do we do is the question. Do we take it upon ourselves to provide? Do we believe it is up to us ultimately to work things out? To behave like this is not to behave like sheep. God is the provider. Do we believe that, brothers and sisters? Do you believe that God is the one that we need to call on to provide for this church? I hope we do. I pray that we do. Because his provision, his provision alone is good. And he will provide what we need. And he knows better than we do. Some of us, that may be a surprise. 
Sometimes we think we know, but God knows. It is a shepherd who knows the sheep. It is a shepherd who knows where the sheep needs to go. He's a shepherd who guides the sheep, who provides whatever is needed. So this is good word of application for us. But the shepherd not only provides for the sheep, but he shows his care for the sheep. It says here in verse 3, by restoring, our, restoring us. He restores my soul. What does it mean for a sheep to be restored? Um, Philip Keller, and I would really encourage you to read his classic book on Psalm 23. And he says he believes that what David had in mind is a situation of, of a cast sheep. You know what a cast sheep is? A cast sheep is a sheep that is on its back, legs up in the air, totally helpless, unable to move. And if that sheep stays there for a long time, what will happen? It will be eaten. And it may even die because their blood is not circulating. All sorts of things can happen to a cast sheep. To a cast sheep. So what the sheep needs is the rescue of the shepherd. So when the shepherd looks and says, oh, there is one sheep missing. Hmm, I wonder where the cast sheep is. And he goes as quickly as he can. And he gently helped the sheep get on its feet. Whether that's exactly what David had in mind, I'm not sure. But I believe there is much evidence in scripture in the life of David to suggest, to believe that he may have been thinking of such a situation. David was a man who experienced great trouble. He was often persecuted. He was often on the run because he was being pursued by Saul, Absalom. Many people wanted to kill him. He suffered lack. He suffered emotionally. He suffered spiritually. David, after he sinned against God by committing adultery and by killing Uriah, the Bible tells us it, he went through a very, very difficult time spiritually and emotionally. Until God came and rescued him, he suffered through a period of deep dryness. And if you've been there, you know this is serious. Where he was, so to speak, on his back. On his back, hoping that he would be rescued. Cast down. Have you been there? I have. Have you ever been there? Maybe you there this morning. Were you here, but you are cast down, feeling hopeless. And you're wondering how much longer you can stay on your back. You're wondering whether anybody even cares. The news for you this morning that if you are one of his sheep, he longs to Rescue you and put you back on your feet. He loves you. He cares for you. Our shepherd is a restorer of souls. He delights in doing it. And how does he restore? Well, primarily through his word. Over and over again, we see 
in the Psalms, his prayer, God restore us. David prayed that God would restore him by his word. So God uses his word to restore his children. God also uses our worship to restore us. As we spend time and we contemplate God in his beauty, we think, oh, we are weighed down by guilt. And then we start worshiping the God who is merciful and gracious. The God who has shown his grace in Christ and we experience forgiveness. Sometimes God will use a song that we sing, right? Have you ever been restored? The ministry of a song. The hearing of God's word. What about Christian fellowship? That's another means of God's grace. Where we come together, we speak to one another, we encourage one another. God uses that to restore us. God restores. Psalm 51, David prayed, says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with the willing spirit. A shepherd, a good shepherd, knows how to restore a sheep. He knows how to do it. And this morning, that's where you are again, I urge you to cry to the shepherd. He will come. He will rescue you. Pray to him as our brother Spurgeon urged us to pray. He says, are any of us low in grace? Do not feel that our spirituality is at its lowest ebb. Do, you, do we feel that our spirituality is at its lowest ebb? He who turns the ebb into the flood can soon restore our soul. Pray to him then for the blessing. Restore me, O shepherd of my soul. God provides generously, provides greatly as a demonstration of his love, of his care for the sheep. He restores our soul. But thirdly, he demonstrates his shepherding care for us by guiding us in the paths of righteousness. By guiding us in the path of righteousness. The text says simply, he leads us. It is a fact that God is leading. You may not realize it as a sheep. But whether you realize it or not, God is leading. What kind of shepherd would he or she be if you were not leading? Shepherds lead. And God as a good shepherd is leading us. He is leading us. It is a fact. We may not understand. Because for us, leading means going like this. While sometimes for God, it does this, it does that. But he's not absent. He's not passive. He is leading. And he leads us personally. And all of us as his children, as his covenant children, we can say and mean it. We can sing even. He leadeth me, oh blessed thought, oh words with heavenly comfort brought. Whatever I do, wherever I be, 
Still what? It is God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes, mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes, where Eden's bowers bloom, by waters still, or troubled sea, still tis his hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would place my hand in thine, nor ever murmur or repine, content whatever lot I see, since tis my God that leadeth me. He leadeth me, he leadeth me, by his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower would be, for by his hand he leadeth me. God is leading. He's leading us individually, and he's leading us as well corporately. Now, in what way is he leading us? The Bible says he leads us in the paths of righteousness. It's not a vague leading. He's leading us in the right path. He's leading us in the way we are supposed to walk. And God has revealed this way in his word. And, it, and these ways are the ways of righteousness, not the ways of the world. And God's purpose is to use every situation to help you walk, to lead you in the paths of righteousness. And as you do so, you give glory to him. You give glory to him because once you didn't care about righteousness. Once you are walking according to the path of the world. You are walking in wickedness, but by his grace he rescued you. So that you would walk in the paths of righteousness. That you who once were slaves of sin, now you've become slave of righteousness. That you're pursuing holiness. Let me say this. If you have desires to love God, to obey his word, you know why you do? It is because of his leading. It is not because somehow there's something inherently good in you. It is because God is leading. He's leading you in the paths of righteousness. But we are not simply told that he is leading as a fact, that he's leading us in the path of righteousness, righteousness, there is something else. We are also told of the goal, the ultimate goal of this leading. And what is it? He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. As we are led in the path of righteousness, yes, we experience blessing. It is good for us, isn't it? Isn't it good when we live sin and we walk in righteousness? Yet it is good. But here the Bible tells us it's not just for the good of the sheep, but it is also for the reputation of the shepherd. The reputation of the shepherd is what's ultimately The shepherd leads us. He leads me for his glory. Yeah, man's chief end is to glorify God. Man's chief end is to glorify God. Yeah, the end of the sheep is the glory of the shepherd. And that's why, by the way, he leads us to difficult paths sometimes. He leads us in such a way that we will say, At the end of it all, 
I did not come this far because there was something good in me. I've arrived at this point because I have an amazing shepherd. Because I have an amazing God. It is God's glory. That is the ultimate end. That is the ultimate purpose of our leading. Maybe you ask another question. Why then, Thomas? Nathan does that. Say this. Why? 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 Why does this glorify God? Why does walking in the path of righteousness really, really glorify God so much? See, when we are led by the shepherd in the path of righteousness, when in everything else, when we are provided for, when we are restored, here's what it does. It helps us see how blessed we are. And it gets us to the point where we are absolutely satisfied in God. John Piper says that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in me and in you when you are most satisfied in him. And what we have here in this psalm is the hymn of praise of a sheep who is absolutely satisfied, absolutely content in the love and care of his wonderful shepherd. And that glorifies the shepherd. Do you see that? It's the same thing in human relationships. If I come and I say, John, we spent time together last week, and I just loved it. It was so good to be with you. And then I come next week again, and I say, John, it was so good to be with you. I want to be with you again. It is so good. And the week after, I say, John, being with you is the best thing. Let me ask you this. Is John going to say, hey, you selfish What's wrong with you? That you want to be with me? Because it, because, oh, because you just care about yourself? Is that what he's going to say? Or would I not be honoring you, my dear brother? Would I not be honoring you, my dear brother, by letting you how satisfied I am in you? This is true in the human realm, but even more so when it comes to God and our relationship with him. He delights in us saying, you alone are my soul's desire. You alone are my heart's desire. And I have you. I need nothing else. I have you. I need nothing else. Yes, I want health. But if health is gone... It is well with my soul because I have you. I want comfort, but if comfort is gone, it is still well with my soul because you are more precious to me than anything this world could ever give. I love that song that says, I'd rather have Jesus more than anything. And when you sing, when we sing this song in a minute, don't you think Jesus is glorified? 
They'll say, why do you keep desiring me? Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, may God help us to realize what a wonderful shepherd we are. And may he by his grace cause us to be in his presence more, get to know him more, get to know him in such a way that we will say the things that David said. Now remember what I said at the beginning. This psalm must be seen in the context of a covenant. I realize that it is a psalm that is used many times in funerals. If you go online, you'll see people who don't seem to care less about God. Oh, how much I love Psalm 23. People who did not care much about walking with the shepherd at the funeral. Oh, I want Psalm 23. I don't mean to be insensitive. But what I want to say is this psalm is for the sheep. It is for the sheep. It is only the sheep that can praise the shepherd this way. And it is only the sheep that can enjoy the benefits of the shepherd's care. Now, if you're here this morning and maybe you are in that boat that I just described, there is hope. There is hope. You don't need to leave here and say, well, I guess this is not for me. It can be for you. You see, Yahweh became flesh in the person of his son. To rescue those who like sheep had gone astray. And God the Father laid on the Son our iniquities, your sins. That you would be rescued and know him as your good shepherd. Run to him today. Run to him today. It is either you enjoy his care or you go on living life. Thirsty, hungry, absolutely dissatisfied. I wonder when David was writing the psalm and if he remembered perhaps not just his good days as a shepherd and how good his sheep looked, I wonder if he also thought of those meager, weak, ugly, malnourished sheep that he saw that were being cared by the false shepherds. The one who shepherds are all described in Ezekiel. That God indicted, that God calls them false shepherds. I wonder if he was thinking of those. Come to the shepherd, I beg you, I plead with you. And then you can say with us, the Lord is my shepherd, hallelujah. I shall not Let's pray.